Hi friends, I'm Olivia. And I'm Katie. And we are Podcast by Proxy. Welcome. We're live. And we are finally recording again. It feels like it's been a while. Whenever we do double ups yeah. and then we take a week off, it's like, I feel like I haven't talked to you in a year. I know. Life has been crazy and dramatic. Yeah, you've had a, I was going to say, you've had a lot going on. I had a lot going on. It's totally for another day to get into. But yeah, it's been, I'm just glad it's your case. <laughs> She's <laughs> we'll just happy. Way. I'm the one who has to do all the talking. Um, Although I yeah, think so- I'm going to do a lot of talking, too. Oh, definitely you are. Yeah. Um, so for anybody, obviously, you clicked on this episode, you know that we are talking about the case of Ryan Stuka missing um, from Sun Peaks, British Columbia, since February of 2018. Um, so we are going to get into that. I'm sure many of our listeners already know this story well. Um, it has been covered by some of the more major podcasts, Crime Junkie, The Vanished, Nighttime Podcast, which is a big one in Canada for kind of like missing uh, people. So we are going to get into that. But before we get oh into that, yes. well, actually, before I want to show you my cute little water bottle first, because I think you'll like it. It has like the times on it. So it's oh literally goodness, just, I do it's cute, right? It. It's like just a I'm sure everyone has seen these on Instagram. If you're like an Instagram person like me, it's like a clear water bottle with the silver top and it has like the little timestamps on it. I love it. Um, I'm doing like a product reveal like anyone can see me. They can't. But they were, I could only find them for like $50. And the girl, I love a good water bottle, but I'm not spending $50 on it. So I finally found one in the $18 range, which is a lot more um, useful for me. I love that for you. That's not what I was going to tell you, though. Uh, For anybody that follows us on social media, like Instagram or Facebook, you will have already seen that I posted this. But two weeks ago, we did the episode on Sean Joshua Deacon, uh, who was a serial rapist who was uh, released in Abbotsford, British Columbia in March of 2022. Um... Sean has already found himself in breach of his conditions. Well, actually, he was arrested for theft under $5,000. So that's like outside of his conditions because I, I don't think that that was ever a... Do we know what like, he stole? We don't. It just says that he was arrested for theft under $5,000 related to shoplifting in a business in the 32700 block of South Fraser Way in Abbotsford. Um, so he was put into jail that was on April the 5th and then he had a bail hearing on the 7th and he was released from custody yet again with further conditions so like I don't know how many more conditions we can impose on this guy until it's like you can't do anything so we might as well just relock you up so on Instagram I was like I think it's time to start a a petition like I think it's gonna be time for me to start my first petition to just like get this man off the streets change.org slash Olivia legit um it's gonna happen because this just makes no sense to me so yeah Sean has already reoffended, found himself in prison and been re-released since Is he trying in like to a break matter of two record? days I have no idea um but it's it's just shocking to me 
So we got that out of the way. I don't really have anything else in terms of like updates. Actually, I went to look. Um, we sh- we covered the the missing case of Shannon Doe White like a few months ago. Now she was missing out of Kamloops, BC. There is no information up to update on that case. Um, like a month or two ago, police actually re-notified the public that they were looking for tips and like there's been no news articles no statements made so like i don't know what that means but it's just wild to me um yeah like nothing at all nothing that is weird i agree and like concur so this case we're talking about today ryan occurs in a really similar location um and then while I was doing the research, and, like, we like to try and keep these episodes somewhat to the point and in, like, an hour. Sometimes I push it to an hour and a half. It's just, like, who I am as a person. So I couldn't go too much further into this specifically, but I might actually end up writing an episode on it. Um, there's, like, six men that have gone missing from the same region in the southern interior of B.C., in the last couple of years um and police say that they aren't linked in any way but it's just we have a problem we have a problem people go missing and we've talked about this because um the episode that we covered trina oh my god no it was oh my gosh sec i don't know where you're going with this (laughs) Give me a hint. Oh, it was Lucy Ann Johnson. Um, And I just remember I had talked about... She was the woman that went missing, but then she was just found alive and well with a whole new family. But we had talked about, like, missing person statistics in BC and just how they're so much higher than the rest of the country. Um, Yeah, I don't understand why. Is it because we have like such dangerous terrain and we have a lot more people exploring on their own and like it's just really unfound bodies or is it that there's some fark derp shark going on yeah i don't know like that definitely comes up um because obviously we're not the only people questioning why (laughs) uh people are going missing at at really high rates in bc um yeah I have a a few questions it does come up that like we have really rugged terrain um it is this place that people come to explore the wilderness and things can happen a lot of people are unprepared we know that we just have so many missing people so uh we're not talking about all of them today but we are talking about ryan stuka big well-known case here yes well i would say in canada yeah, this blew up when it originally happened, and it's actually crazy to me that we are still even having this discussion. Um, and if you don't know the case, I think you'll understand why I say that in a little bit. But we can probably just start. So last month, yeah, last month, March 17th, 2022, would have been Ryan Stuka's 25th birthday. Uh, Ryan was only 20 years old, exactly one month shy of his 21st birthday, when he went missing on February 17th, 2018, in Sun Peaks, British Columbia. 
Uh, now, if you're like me, I, I don't really do the whole skiing snowboarding thing. So I actually had to like look up what, <laughs> what Sun Peaks is. And it is a ski resort community. It was actually incorporated on June 28th, 2010, making it the first oh. mountain resort municipality in Canada. So it's like actually its own municipality, that's which like is really neat. hard to believe that that's the first for some reason. I know. Uh, it's only 55 kilometers northeast of Kamloops, BC, and 410 kilometers from Vancouver. Yeah, we uh, passed in- the sign for it when we were on our road trip home. Okay, yeah, that makes sense. It it actually looks like a really cute little resort town that, like... It's like Whistler. I was going to say it's like Whistler, but more rural and, like... Yeah, it's I don't know. like Whistler, but more country. Yeah, a little she bit more. Found country. Yeah. yeah. Um, so it actually only has uh, the last census reported 616 permanent residents. Um, it only has one road that goes in and out. And mm-hmm. they do have more than 900 additional property owners that are non residents, but like more than likely they're just vacation getaway homes, seasonal stays. They're renting them to residents that live there. Maybe. What do you call snowbirds that go where it's snowing? Sunbirds. Who on earth is escaping the sun? No, that's not it. No. I mean, I would. Well, I might. No. I love the sun. Just people who love skiing and snowboarding and want to live that mountain life in the winter when you can do so. It's really sunny at what usually doing that, though, too. It's really nice. Yeah, we're going to get into Sun Peaks a little bit more later on, but they get something ridiculous like 2,000 hours a year of sun. Like, it's a lot. Yeah, it's some sunny peaks, for sunny sure. Peaks. Yeah. Sunny peaks, yeah. They sunny. born Ryan Stuka, he was born February 17th, 1997, and he spent his early years in Edmonton, Alberta, with his mom, Heather, and his dad, Scott. Ryan has two younger sisters, Jordan, who's about two years younger, and Juliana, who is quite a bit younger than him, like eight years younger. The girls were 18 and 12 when Ryan went missing. Okay, so yeah, a couple years and then a good chunk. A good eight years. years. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Ryan's mom, Heather, writes a lot about him on the... She's very active on the Facebook page, which is Missing Ryan Stuka. It has over 30,000 members, as well as she writes up on a blog on the website RyanStuka.com. Um, they're both used quite regularly by her, just to, like, talk about Ryan, share stories about Ryan, and then also... out there. Right, and also, like, using it as a vessel to hopefully exactly keep his name out, keep the story alive. Maybe one day somebody who knows something will talk. Um, But she does write very actively on the Facebook page specifically. I actually got a lot of this information from there. I think that's a lot of the difficulty is just keeping a case in the spotlight Mm -hmm. and keeping someone's name out there. Yeah. I think that's, you know, most of the trouble. Well, and this one is just so wild because, like, he literally just vanished. Like, as yeah. you'll see, the efforts to try and find him, if, he, yeah, we'll, we'll get into it, but it's, we'll it's, it's wild. Sure. And, like, it just, yeah, the only thing you can do at that point is continue to talk about him because he's your son and you don't want his name to ever be forgotten. Nope. And you know what? It's not. There's a big uh, banner out there. In Kamloops for him still. Yeah. 
I'm so. sure there's a few. There's so many people that have gone missing from that area. Again, it just blows my mind. Yeah, there is a lot. Basically, I'm never going to Kamloops. I'm never going to Kamloops. I know I'm not a young man, but I'm too scared now. <laughs> Kamloops is so beautiful. It's so nice. I literally went oh, to work so... there a couple of years ago, and I was like, oh, so I could live here. Like, I love this it. Is it's pretty. beautiful. Yeah. It is really. It is actually really nice. So Ryan's family moved from Edmonton, Alberta to Beaumont, which is just under an hour away when Ryan was six. And Heather was worried that he might have a hard time, like, leaving all his childhood friends that he had grown up with and starting at a new school in grade one. Um, but after that first day of school, Ryan was thriving. He already had a ton of friends. Ryan actually... social butterfly. I know he really was and he made his core group of friends like at this school in Beaumont in his grade one class and they continued oh. to like all stay friends growing what, up age six that's mm-hmm. adorable oh my goodness it reminds okay. me a lot of my brother and his friends because they had like a core little group of friends from literally grade Guys one of boys like boys and girls and they all, that core little group of friends, all kind of, like, continued to stay friends even in high school and Aww. stuff. I never had that. So I was like, oh, my God. Me neither. So <laughs> Did not have that. Yeah, but we're weirdos. I have one friend from, like, pre-13 years old. Same. Yeah. That's all I need. So Ryan cool. also loved dinosaurs as a kid, um, so much so that in one of her blog posts, Heather actually described a game called the Dinosaur Game that they used to play together, where they would mm-hmm. each take turns describing a dinosaur, and the other would guess the type that was being described, like when he was a little kid. Oh and they actually God. said, like, he was so smart and so into dinosaurs that, like, the parents had to start reading, like, paleontology books just to I keep up that. with him. Yeah. Like, <laughs> so cute. Yes. Um, I also feel like I could see you playing that game now. <laughs> now, yeah. I don't think I was as into... Well, I loved, like, The Land Before Time and all that. And, like, my brother really liked... Yeah, maybe, probably. I would play it now for sure. <laughs> didn't Anyone like The wanna... Land Before Does Time. Does anybody want to play the dinosaur game with me? Anyone. Going one more time. And shit bangs. It was like my favorite. That was back in the day when movie rentals were still a thing. And it, my thing wasn't like, what movie am I going to rent? It was like, what Lamb Before Time am I going to rent? Or what yeah. Mary Kate and Ashley movie am I going to rent? Oh, mine were always Mary Kate and Ashley. You know yeah, I, mean? I went. Especially when, you, when you're going to have like a American. friend over on a weekend and you're like, oh, yeah. oh I bet my parents are going to let us rent a movie. Fuck Those yeah. movies were what such Mary bangers. What Actually, are we going to get? Literally such bangers. Those were the best. <sighs> and the worst, though, is when, remember when you used to, like, run to the one you think you'd want, and then you'd realize there was no second copy behind it, so there was no <sighs> rental? <sighs> or there was no yeah. little tab on it if you went, oh. Just a huge tragedy, honestly. It's, uh, oh, <laughs> the worst. <laughs> Uh, so because of the whole love of dinosaurs, though, a little green or like a green dinosaur has become the symbol for hope in bringing Ryan home. So they have like little dinosaur, green dinosaur pins and they have like vinyls that they put on the side of like the bobcats that say bring Ryan home and like a big green dinosaur. And it just really breaks my tiny heart. Mm-hmm. Yes. Oh, my I God. Mm hmm. I know. A lot of this is like as I'm we like continue. I'm getting teary because that's so sweet. It reminds me, especially having a little brother who 
is he's four years younger than me, so I kind of like always remember him as little. Your um, little so brother, yeah. much of this reminded me of like having a little brother. It's funny. I was just talking about your brother yesterday and about how like all of a sudden I feel like I just saw a picture of him and he just looks like such an adult. Oh, he He's is a so whole ass grown adult. Up all of a sudden. And yeah. I was like, when did Nick become a whole ass grown human? Yeah, like, he looks like one. He acts like one. I know. It's it's crazy. It makes me feel. Ugh. I know. He's no longer just like old. fake it till you make it or like that drunk little brother puking on your couch. Nope. He oh, is surpassed me. He has surpassed me in adulthood. <laughs> <laughs> He surpassed both of us. Don't feel bad. I'm joking or I'm laughing, but it's not actually a joke. I'm not crying. You're crying. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So Ryan, he was a picky eater as a child. His favorite foods were steak and potatoes, poutine, jugs of chocolate milk. And chicken fingers and fries. So basically, I all those choices. He's just he a, was me a as a child, <laughs> and he was just a typical boy plus Katie as a child. Yeah. Uh, Ryan was also a lover of all animals growing up, but he especially loved dogs. And actually, at the time that he went missing, he had a dog that he loved so much named Oscar, who was uh, waiting for him at his parents' house where he lived. Um, and, and both of his parents say, like, it was the family dog, but he really was Ryan's dog. Like, he waited and stared out the window for him person. every day. Yeah, he, Ryan was the his person, and, and oh, he was Ryan's best buddy. Yeah, he's a really cute dog, too, actually. Uh, Ryan got his first job at a local grocery store when he was 16 years old, and his mom, Heather, said that she was surprised at how frugal he got when he started making his own money, which, like, it must be a boy thing, because I can't relate to that at all. Me neither. And, like, I know my brother was really frugal, and he, even now, is, like, very good with money and very smart, but, like, me, I I mean, I was already spending my paychecks before I got them. (laughs) You were paying stuff back when you got your paycheck. I was doing that with my allowance before I even made a paycheck. Like, Mom, why didn't you teach me better money habits? Why were you supporting this? Why were you supporting She's me borrowing my allowance? on her. I was literally, like, in debt, and I was 12 and didn't even have income. Eight years old with a bad credit <laughs> score. <laughs> Fuck. Thanks, hey, Sandy. Okay. Moving Just on. Kidding. I'll do uh, better name. So another thing about Ryan, um, his mom, Heather, said he was a natural at all sports since he was a kid. Like, whether he liked them or not, it was just a trait that came really natural to him. He played soccer, which was his favorite as a kid. Going into high school, he got really heavy into football and rugby. He loved rugby. Um, He was not a small guy. Even at, like, 18, he was six feet, super athletic. He was He was really into weight training in high school as well. His mom said that they would go, like, every day after school. They were at the gym. He's totally the guy that I would have had a crush on in high school. Definitely, like, the jock and um, creepy. But I scrolled through some of his, like, really old Facebook statuses because those are the only ones that were public. And, like, typical guy for sure. He seemed really funny. (laughs) Like, he seemed like he liked to play, like, practical jokes on people or, like, be kind of, like, not a prankster. But not a prankster, but he was just kind of, like, sarcastic and would, like, fuck with people. Okay. That, I'm, like, that's, that's okay. For example, one of his Facebook statuses in high school was, like, my best trade is pissing people off. (laughs) 
Oh, and I just okay. was thinking about like a 16 year old boy saying that. And I was like, yeah, that tracks. Yeah, that definitely tracks. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so obviously, too, he was really into snow sports. He loved snowboarding specifically. Um, when he was done high school, Ryan wasn't sure what he really wanted to do with his life, which fair. They literally Same. ask you to decide what you want to do when you're 40, when you're like 18, which will never make sense to me. Um, I'm 32 and I still don't want to know. I still don't know what I want to do when I'm 40. It's just a big decision to make when you're like 18, which is why I think it's more the norm nowadays for more and more people to take a few years off and work and travel and learn who they are and like what they actually are going to want to do, not just what's going to make them a paycheck. And that too. I mean, there's just so much that goes into that. Expensive, which is another conversation, but. And you spend the majority of your time at your career or whatever you've chosen to do to make money. So you should probably enjoy it to some degree. Yeah, you're only really going to be successful in the training or schooling as well if you have some interest and draw to it. So just take the time. Yeah, he didn't really know. He worked for a year with his dad. I believe it was for his dad's construction company, kind of to see if that was the direction he wanted to take. Uh, he kind of realized that wasn't for him, so he enrolled in the university. It looked like McEwen University, just based on, again, his Facebook posts, um, in the general sciences program, which he did really well at. But when the year was up, he kind of expressed interest in having, like, a year of adventure instead of going back to school. His mom, Heather, worked for an airline, so she kind of assumed that he would take advantage of, like, all the flight and travel perks that she was able to get from him and travel the world instead on his birthday one year ryan and heather were out for lunch and he kind of did that whole like "Mm, i have something to tell you you know when you want to tell your parents something but you get that like weird face and stuff Mm -hmm. he did one of those you do that thing and then your parents are like what do you need to tell me and they're like yeah (laughs) and i okay so i used to like not even so i would go in my mom's room and i would just kind of lurk and yeah. she'd be like, or you'd sit on the what? end of the bed and like watch the show she's watching with her <laughs> and just sit there and like look at your hands and like the TV and just like linger there. And she'd be like, do you need to talk about something? My mom or would just be wrong? like, what? What do you, what is it? What do you want? Cause she knows I want something. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. So he, he's like me and James, his friend are going to go to Sun Peaks to ski for the winter. Um, and honestly, his parents are super excited, super supportive. He had never left home. Right. He had never left home before. They were like, yay. Like he wants to do something fun. He wants to step out of his comfort zone. He's going to go. He's gaining some some independence too with a friend that they trust. I'm sure. Seeing as you said, he's had these friends since the butt fuck of time. I think this one friend he went with James, uh, Heather said that, that they had known each other since they were about 14. So not as long. Still. Like, he he did have some friends outside of that, like, core group from grade one. But that's still, oh, you know, course. long that's enough. a long time, though. Yeah, I still had, like, they were still friends for a while. And they were going to go together, which was nice. I think she probably felt a lot more comfortable that he was going with someone than by himself. Yeah, he had his travel um, buddy. And, like, Brian, again, had always been super social and able to make friends quickly. So they weren't really worried that he would have a hard time. Yeah. yeah. He'd make a small group of friends pretty quickly. Yeah. He'd be fine. Yep. So 
Ryan and James, who had known each other, like I said, since they were about 14, they moved to Sun Peaks on December 1st of 2017, and Ryan is hired as a ski lift operator for the tube lift, uh, which personally <laughs> is the only reason that I will go to the mountain. If there's oh, no, it's like, so fun. Yeah, if there's no option of me just, like, getting thrown in a tube and flying down the mountain on my butt, I basically just won't go. <laughs> I would also like to go one day and... But, like, stay there and get a cabin with, like, a hot tub and the whole nine yards and that do the whole fun. experience. Like, a, a chalet. We should do that. A chalet Not sounds a fun. Chalet. A chalet? God, I love a good chalet. I'm gonna go stay in a chalet for the night. Do some <laughs> tubing. Okay, uh, so a little bit about more about Sun Peaks. Now, Ryan has moved here. He's there. Where is he? Sun Peaks, as we know, it's an alpine ski resort. Uh, the summit of the ski area itself is 2,808 meters or 6,820 feet with an 881 meter or 2,890 foot vertical rise from the base of the peak. That's there crazy. Was, it's big, right? That's way bigger than like, because I'm thinking Mount Washington and that's mm-hmm. huge compared to it. Yeah. Yeah. The resort itself has a 16 square kilometer of skiable terrain, making it the second largest in Canada, and it receives an average of 18 feet or 5.6 meters of snow per year. Jeez, uh, I mentioned earlier, Sun Peaks also receives over 2,000 hours of sun per year, <laughs> and the ski hill has 137 runs. 16 gladed areas and 40 kilometers worth of cross-country trails so it's massive it has over 130 runs yeah 137 runs um (laughs) there within the resort itself is also like three separate mountains so it's not really like mount washington where you just like go up and there's one okay that is like redonkulous we have to go here one day i would love to honestly um it, it sounds really neat so the three mountains. If it's its has... own little village, yeah, I would love to go yeah. and see what it's like and explore a little bit because it sounds beautiful. Yeah, and I mean, it's not, it wouldn't be super far for us to go. So it has Todd Mountain, Sundance Mountain, and Mount Morrissey. Uh, I mentioned that Sun Peaks became Canada's first mountain resort municipality. And yeah. sunpeaksresort.com says that currently there are 750 plus permanent residents. They have a community health center, a public school, and a grassroots club. Huh. Uh, they also state that many people who come for the winter lifestyle, uh, lifestyle sorry, will also end up staying year-round because when the snow melts, the mountain itself turns into like mountain biking, hiking, and also they have an 18-hole golf course. Just hiding under there. Yeah, the mountain just turns into golfing. Yeah, literally. Surprise! I don't understand how that works considering golf courses are like so much maintenance. Does it just like, I hope it just like freezes and then all of a sudden it's like, you know, like goldfish where they're just like, (gasps) and then come back to life. The golf course does the same thing. (laughs) Oh my God, that was amazing. Is Brennan golf? (laughs) Yeah. He's he's actually a disc golf. What happens to golf courses under snow for, like, six... And, like, you know... I will. He'll know, because he lived in Ontario, and it snows about the same amount of time, and they have golf courses, so I, I will ask him. Simon, but... He's currently out disc golfing. Uh, for those of you who don't know, it's like golf, but you throw a frisbee. Oh, I would get crucified if I said that. It's like golf, but hey, you throw a disc. 
You have a whole backpack full of thing? them. It's like, is it the thing where there's like the pole with the chains? Yes. That's okay. the basket. I was watching. I was watching it on TV the other day, and I said, "Oh, that's what Brennan does." And then it I is. went, Ooh, "Is that what he does?" <laughs> so the basket with the chains—that's like the golf hole, basically. Goal. That's where you're trying to get it into there. Uh, that's your hole, and we actually have one in our backyard. We have a practice basket. Oh, mm-hmm. well, I should yeah. bring him there, and he can see how Good it times. works. Yeah, he is going real golfing in the morning, though. So I will ask him about the uh, the whole snow shebang. So back to Sun Peaks. Most of the seasonal residents like Ryan, so people who live there just for the winter months when it's the snow season or like seasonal workers kind of thing, they lived just yeah. down the hill from the actual ski resort itself. There was an area okay. called Burfield Drive. All it was right. just it's described as like a nice part of town. Some families and seasonal staff live there. Ryan and his friend James moved into a house just off the resort. Um so in this area, and the house was occupied by the two of them, another couple, and two other girls. So there were six people sharing people. this one house. Yeah. Um, and actually, from what I can gather, Ryan and James were actually sharing a room that had twin bunk beds in it. So, like, they were really just there to sleep, right? Like, they just needed yeah. a cheap place where they it's could like pay rent and sleep <laughs> and, like, go snowboarding every day. Yeah. Why did I feel like there was a TV show filmed at Sun Peaks? I don't know. Was there? I don't know. Maybe that was at Whistler. Or maybe maybe White. I don't know. We'll look it up and get back to you. TBD. So yeah, so the boys are sharing a room. They have these twin bunk beds. There's a couple and two other girls that live in the house. I mean, they're 20. They're just looking for cheap rent somewhere to sleep so that they can like work and live at this mountain resort and ski all year long. They just want to party, ski, and work. Yeah, like exactly it. Exactly, Mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. Everything seemed to be going really great for the boys. Uh, Ryan seemed to be in regular contact with his parents. Um... He was living the dream at Sun Peaks. He told his mom, like, short before, shortly before he went missing, he said that he had been snowboarding 36 days in a row. Um, and actually, oh. when I scoured the... I scoured Instagram on Ryan's old Instagram. Like, there was a bunch of people that he, he was, like, tagged in photos with and stuff in Sun Peaks. So I was trying to, like, kind of go through there. I'm sorry to anyone who's tagged in those photos if you're listening. I did creep your Instagram from 2018. Um, but it seemed like this is pretty normal that they would track how many days in a row. Like one guy was like, I yeah. got my 100 day. Like also snowboarding 100 days in a row sounds exhausting. I just wonder if it's something too though like when you apply for jobs if they're like how many hours on the mountain do you have? I'm not sure. The, okay, so like the, in sport related, do you the like lingo, the lingo oh God, working oh there. Here if you comes. work at like the ski lift, you're known as a lifty. So it okay, seems like the one. lifties uh, would go up like every day. They would go before or after okay. the shift. Like Ryan, for example, worked the but, like, eleven why not? to seven I'm sure shift. It's free if you work there, right? And like that's why they're most of them are there. Yeah. So Ryan worked the 11 to 7 shift and he had Sundays and Mondays off, I believe. Um, oh, that's nice. But I mean, for a 20 year old kid, like you can get up in the morning and go snowboarding. You start your shift at 11 and 7 o'clock is early enough to like still yeah. party. Right. For us, it's like, oh, that sounds we know that we don't like that shift now that yeah. we're adults. But like being 20, it's actually pretty ideal. I guess there's a lot of night skiing, too, at a lot of places like that because they have the time and money to put the lights in and the infrastructure 
Every once in a while, I have a dream that I'm night skiing. I don't know what that means in the dream world because I don't ski and I have no desire to. So, like, if you are okay, into well, let's dreams, do this then. hit me right Anyone up. Anyone out there who knows a lot about birth charts and astrology or about what Olivia just said, <laughs> reach out to us. Please. Because... I want to know what being a triple Aquarius means. And you want to know what your dreams mean. So and we, we need questions. you on this podcast. Yeah. Like, come on. We'll, yeah. we'll, we want to chat we'll let you, you talk please. to us. Please. Or please let us talk to you. Yeah. I don't know what to say. But we're here. Reach out at Podcast by Proxy on Instagram. Legit. Okay. So we know Ryan's a tube lifty. He's a lifty, but like for the tubing side, which sounds really fun to me. Um, he really enjoyed his job. He was really good at it. So much so that they actually offered him a supervisor position, but he turned Aww. it down because he was like, I'm just here to snowboard. And it's too much responsibility. I'm literally just here to make enough money to snowboard all winter long. I'm not here to like run the mountain, you know? Yeah, That's a he's going to have to like fill in for people and take extra shifts. It's going to cut into his time on the mountain. No, 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 no. And no thank you to that. So we've made it to February 16th, 2018. This was a Friday. Ryan went to work for the day as per usual. Uh, while he was on shift, he logged into his online banking. He paid his cell phone bill. He paid his rent. Uh, he did his job for the day. Everything seemed fine. After work, he went right home um, to the house that he shared with his roommates because the group of them were planning on going out together that night. They went out together okay. for like a couple drinks at a bar and then they headed over to a silent disco at a local place called <sighs> Bottoms. Oh, I've never a cool idea. I've never been to a silent disco. It sounds fun. This is like where you wear headphones, but everyone's listening to the same thing and you're like partying. But no, it's you can headphones. all listen to different music. Apparently, I've heard. What the heck's the point of that? So you dance to whatever you want. So everybody oh. likes what they're listening to. Oh, I thought the point of it was like that it's like a club where everyone's listening to the same thing, but it's like maybe silent. It so it's in your headphones. I'm oh, pretty sure that's, that's it what it too. is. I don't know. I like, feel like that's something we should go do with Kyle. It seems like a Kyle activity. Because otherwise you're like literally just people listening to their own iPods. Oh my God. iPods. I just dated myself so hard. <laughs> But which iPod are we talking? That'll really date you. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I had a Nano. Those were, like, the little tiny square things. Oh, at least that's pretty modern. I know. That's not too bad. I had the iPod Classic, oh, which is, yeah, like, the one that so weighed, like, good. three pounds and had a metal back, and you could, like, use it as a weapon <laughs> or a paperweight. Now our iPods are also phones. But, yeah, so they go to this silent disco. It looks like they had a really good time. There's a photo taken of Ryan at the silent disco. He, like, has his headphones on. Looks a little and he's, sweaty. He's smiling really big. He's got his beer in his hand. Um, mm -hmm. So it's not noted, like, how drunk Ryan was this night, by the way. Like, obviously, they're 20 and they're out at a party. They're drinking. Um, it is noted that Ryan was doing ecstasy. Now, again, like, we don't know how much, and a lot of the time that just kind of, like, amplifies your drunkenness. It's not gonna, yeah. you're not gonna hallucinate. It's not, like, a crazy, I don't know. It's, it's not a crazy psychedelic or anything. It's, it's not, and, like, bleh. and that, like, might make you feel a little bit more social and talkative like and, happy like, and... happy, and, again, yeah. it just kind of, like, amplifies the feelings of being drunk, but yeah, so, they're not so, negative feelings, though. 
Not really, usually no. pretty positive. Yeah, and we'll kind of go into that a little bit later. Not really. I don't want to harp on the drinking and the ecstasy too much because yeah. I don't know that it... Yeah. I just we'll, don't think they we'll would there. be like a downer or would make someone suicidal or something like that. That's all I'm saying. 100%. Yeah. So... Some sources say 1 a.m., but all we know is it's really like at some point later. 1 a.m. does sound right. Um, the silent disco ends, okay. the bar closes, and Ryan and his group of friends decide they weren't quite ready for the night to end. And so they're going to okay. go down the hill to a house party that they would that they knew would be happening kind of like around the corner from their house. It was about a 10-minute walk from their house. Um, but totally I guess there was like... Yeah, there's like three houses kind of in the same area close together there that they're this those party houses where you knew they're that you could just show up too. So they're kind of like side by side. That makes perfect sense. So, yeah. Well, like, you know, those houses that when you were like this age, you knew you could just go there and there'd be people there. Like there's yeah. no there's no invite sent for a party. Nobody's texting being like, oh, you know that, we're like, having people that you just every know. Thursday, Friday, Saturday, there's people there. You yeah. could show up any time between, you know, like 6 p.m. and 3 a.m. And yeah, you fine. know that there'll just be people walking in and out, yeah, drinking, having totally. fun. Like if you just need something yes. to do. Yeah, we all know those houses. So there, there was there's like all, three of them in this one. area. So they they're like, let's go there before we go home. Okay. So the party, it was about a 20-minute walk down the hill from the bar. So they all started walking in the cold. Again, it's like, it's very cold. Um, but yeah, the Greyhound. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But there was like a Greyhound shuttle, I guess, that ended up being kind enough to pick up the whole group and drive them down the hill. And then they walked mm-hmm. like a few minutes to the house. How Canadian of him. <laughs> so true. Poor youngins don't want you out there in the cold. Just happy and I'll give you a ride down the road. There's like nine of them. He's like, yeah, pile in. <laughs> I'm the only car big enough to carry all of you, so yeah. come on. <laughs> so they go to this house, however, just after 1.30 a.m. So there's like nine of them sitting in a room on couches hanging out. Um, okay. Just after 1.30 a.m., James, who is Ryan's like roommate slash friend he moved there with slash bedroom mate i guess you could say his bunk mate his bunk mate james is ready to go home so he gets up to leave uh it also kind of sounds like somebody that lived there was like coaxing everyone to leave kind of saying like party's over everyone we want to go to bed get the hell out of my house yeah it it sounds like that might have been happening as well so james gets Mm. up to leave around the same time as james so James gets up and goes to, like, put his coat on and his shoes on at the door. Okay. Then, just after that, the couple and one of the girls, so three people that live at the at his house as well, get up and are like, okay, we're so going to get ready to go as well. So five house so four people of them, are leaving now? Four of them are leaving. And oh, then girl left. everyone says, I don't actually know if she was there. Everyone okay. says that Ryan is seen at this point getting up off the couch. So okay, which would make sense if all his housemates were. Right. And so his roommates assumed that, like, he was getting up also to say his goodbyes, get ready to leave and go home. So yeah. nobody waits for anybody, though. Like, James just kind of leaves. The other roommates put their coat and shoes on and they just leave. And they assume that Ryan's just going to be right behind them. Okay. At some point during their walk home, they realize he wasn't right behind them. 
But they figured, like, maybe he was just finishing a drink or who really knows if they put that much thought into it. It was freezing cold. It's really just, cold. They just kept walking and went home. They were just like, I don't know where Ryan is. We're just going to go home. I, can't, I see both sides, but this makes me uncomfortable. Like, I understand being like, oh, right. come on, I'm cold. He'll catch up. Let's go. I could see that, too. So, but yeah, Okay. And I think, like, it is just around the corner if it's something that they've done a million times before and it's not the norm to, like, wait and walk home as a group. And they're not leaving a 20-year-old girl where they maybe don't have the same fears as they would leaving a 20-year-old man. Good Food is Canada's number one meal kit service that delivers right to your door. Good Food makes cooking fun, easy, and affordable. They offer different meal plans to fit your needs like vegetarian, clean 15, easy prep, and the most popular basket, the classic basket. Every recipe is packed with fresh produce that comes directly from farmers and with good food. You can skip the trip to the grocery store and have everything you need to make your curated meals delivered straight to your door. Sign up for good food today using the code free podcast by proxy to get your first classic box for free. That's free podcast by proxy when creating your good food account to get a classic box on us. Hi friends, if you like what you hear and you want to get even more content from us, we're officially live on Patreon. Patreon is a subscription service where you can get early access to our regular episodes, get bonus episodes, live Q&A sessions, and more. Visit the link in this episode description to learn more and sign up. You can also follow us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and TikTok at Podcast by Proxy. Katie and I are so appreciative of every single one of you for being here with us. If you want to support us even more, don't forget to hit the follow button wherever you're listening and leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. Growing the show means we will be able to invest more time into bringing you more stories like the one you're hearing today. Yeah, and like Ryan's mom, Heather, said she's done interviews on a couple podcasts, The Vanished, The Nighttime Podcast, and then I watched the documentary on YouTube by like Peaks, I think it's called Peaks and Valleys. But she basically Mm -hmm. says, like, this just doesn't really raise a red flag for her. No, it doesn't raise a red flag for her. She's like, I don't expect them in the middle of the night in the super cold if they were all just kind of like, oh, see ya, to, like, go back and get him. Like, my 20-year-old, six-foot-tall son who can hold his own. how many times has he likely walked home from the bar by himself? Right. Like, I I don't know. It just doesn't really feel like Like, he had a buddy system. But it's something to note for sure. Okay. I've noted it. Yeah. So the next day on Saturday, James, so Ryan's roommate that he shared a room with, James, had the day off that day and Ryan had to work a shift at 11. But nobody really noticed or like took note of the fact that Ryan never came home. I think they just woke up really late and were like, oh, he's probably at work. Like I, nobody really noticed yeah. that he didn't come home. Yeah, I guess by the time you kind of stumble in, you maybe, like, grab a snack in the kitchen and just, like, fall into your bed. It's, like, 15 minutes. Like, you don't really get ready for bed the same way when you've been out drinking. Right, and, like, I they, I think they slept in and his work shift would have been at 11 anyway. So if they woke up and he wasn't there, it was probably just, like, oh, Ryan's probably at work. Probably wasn't that weird, yeah. Or so oh, how- he left early because he had to work or something, yeah. 
Okay. Yeah. However, though, Ryan never showed up to his shift at work, which was incredibly out of character for him. He would often be like a couple minutes late because he was busy snowboarding. Like he would ride all morning and then like yeah. run in two minutes late with his gear on to like, like oh no, right? Yeah. But he was never not there, and he had never not shown up to work without a call or like notifying somebody since he started working at sixteen. Like it was just a no. Yeah. Okay. So his boss texts James about an hour into his shift to ask if Ryan's with him and was kind of like, he did. he's not at work, we're really busy and we need him today. Do you know where he is? Yeah, like what's going on? Like maybe he just forgot he worked. Do you know where he is? Right. Fair. So James texts back that Ryan wasn't with him, but like if he comes into work, please let me know. Okay, yeah, because at this point he's probably like, what the fuck, where is he? Yeah, so that supervisor never texts James back until the end of the day. So at the end of her shift at like 7 p.m. and replied saying Ryan never showed up. So the whole day, because she never replied, I think he just assumed that he, he must have gone to work. Up. Right. He's yeah, like, she oh, even said they were busy. He must have gone to work. Like, I never got a response. So yeah. 7, 7 p.m. rolls around and the workday ends and the supervisor texts James back saying Ryan never showed up today. Suspish, so, but okay. Right. Weird, so but, yeah, James yeah. at this point, this is when he's starting to get like something is wrong. He's starting to like be the hair like, on the back um, of his neck is kinda like hello. Yeah, and he Ryan's not answering like Facebook messages, he's not answering text messages, he didn't come home after the work hours that day. Um something's up, yeah. Yeah, so they start to like call and text people to ask if anybody has seen or heard from Ryan. They actually reach out to some, like, local groups on Facebook to post and see if anybody had seen or heard from him. And they even checked with the hospitals. But when well, yeah, hospitals... they probably think he just got hurt on the walk home or something. Like, right. They're probably not thinking anything that bad at this point. Yes, but when the hospitals turned up no sign of Ryan, the hospital suggested that they... They're like, if you're really concerned about this, you should call the police. Call the police. Mm-hmm. Yeah. When in doubt, people call the police. Yeah, so they do that. Now, it's important to note, since the time that Ryan's friends say that they left the party, which is just after 1.30 a.m., and said that Ryan was getting up to head out the door right after them, he has not been active on any social media platforms or cell phone networks. At the time of his disappearance, Ryan... No banking, no nothing like that. Nothing. And he had, like, a significant amount of money in his bank account. It's never been touched. Um, Yeah, I think you do actually get, honestly, paid very well to work at Sun Peaks because it's quite a nice resort, too. So he was probably saving good money working there. Mm -hmm. At the time of his disappearance, Ryan was 6 feet tall, 20 years old. He has a lean build, blonde hair, brown eyes, and he was 180 pounds. Ryan was last seen wearing dark jeans, a gray and white shirt, a navy blue coat, and a burgundy ball cap with the logo for for the rugby team he played on. Uh, It reads, Norwestern Athletic Association. His cell phone was last said to ping off a cell phone tower at 3 a.m. in the Sun Peaks area, but it's not certain which part of Sun Peaks or the surrounding areas. Like, you know how sometimes when you post post on Facebook Mm -hmm. and... It says you're, like, somewhere you're really not. Yeah. yeah. So it's completely impossible to tell, like, where. Exactly where I was from. Okay. Yeah. But Shoot. it's important to note, too, because I know, like, a lot of teenagers 
text a lot and stuff so it would almost be easy to figure out like when their communication ended and that would be like kind of when shit went wrong ryan wasn't on his phone like at all at the silent disco or at all that night he wasn't really actively texting any one person he just wasn't doing that and so it's well it sounds like he was with everybody he kind of knew and hung out with so he wasn't using his phone yeah and i know that feeling like there's some days where like if i'm with you and simon or if you're here oh my god i don't i like don't touch my phone (laughs) i'm like that now but when i was 20 like no matter if i was with every single person that i loved i'm probably still texting somebody but i was a 20 year old girl not a 20 year old boy so also true yeah and you were really addicted to your phone really all about my phone yeah i have a healthy relationship with my phone now i just want to say that i'm very proud of myself just yeah, to give myself have, a little plug we've had a we've had a moment put a lot of work in we really have it's, it's important talks. yeah <laughs> get serious about your relationship with your phone it'll do you wonders it will okay so the saturday night on the 17th um Did I miss a whole chunk? I don't know. I did. (laughs) So James files a missing persons report with the police at about 7.30 p.m. and then texted Ryan's parents about an hour later to inform them what was going on. Uh, Heather said that she received a text from James basically saying, like, don't freak out, but Ryan never showed up for work and we don't know where he is. So we filed a missing persons report and you might get a phone call from the police about it. Don't freak out. What? Any parent gets that? Like, yes, I'm freaking out. Not to mention, okay, if I went missing and you genuinely were like, I have no idea where she I is. Think I something's think wrong. I'm going to file a missing persons report with the police. Would you not call my mom first? I would 100% call your mom and your brother. Like, it doesn't make any sense to, to me to that again, you would call the hospitals, text every, all these friends, g- report somebody missing to the police, and then an hour later be like, oh, hey, heads up. That's Just so you know. parents. It's not like he didn't know them. Him and Ryan have been friends since they were, like, 14. Yeah, like, five, six, four or five years. Yeah. Jeez. James, I'm not blaming you. I'm just saying it's weird. There's always room for improvement. It's just weird. I would tell my friend's mom before I reported them missing to the RCMP. I'm just saying. Also, like, what if there was a family emergency and he rushed home? Right. That's what I mean. Whereas you call his parents and they go, oh, my God, James, he didn't tell you. You know, his grandma died last night. We called and he hopped on a plane first thing this morning. He must have just forgot everything. And look, I can see not not saying anything at the very beginning because if he did just get like really drunk and go home with a girl and pass out and like forget to go to work. Totally. It is like like shit like that happens when you're 20 and you don't want to get your friend in trouble. I get it. But like parents would have been. After work. Well, and like before the police. Yeah, like, that's really the text, kicker. Just text like, friends, text Facebook groups, text whoever, call the hospital. Or you know what you do? Call you his mom. one other friend. Say, hey, can you reach out to his family and see if they've heard from him? Just task somebody with that. Give that I mean, their, like... I can, I can definitely see, based on the text, being like, don't freak out, that he was very concerned about, like, worrying them and freaking them out. But, like, again... 
before you report somebody like, missing to the police, don't freak tell out. their mom. Also, just, like just common courtesy. I hate when someone says "Don't freak out," because <laughs> you know you're gonna you're gonna freak out. Okay. I have I have a lot more questions, but we'll see what you say next. Because I'm hoping it answers some of them. Okay, so that Saturday night, the 17th, James texts Ryan's parents saying, yeah. like, don't FYI, forget, but we, we've up. reported him missing. Ryan's dad, they're so confused about... So Heather, like, picks up the phone, and she's still, like, she can't... She's Can? unable to, like, communicate... Yeah, she's, like, not getting yeah, like, it. And, wait, what? Yeah, they're so confused by their interaction with James that Ryan's dad actually just picked up the phone and called the Kamloops Rural RCMP to find out what was happening on his own. Yeah, like, he was like, WTF this isn't... What's going on with my son? Right, this isn't making sense for me. So, yeah, calls them, and he discovered that the police were still, like, 45 minutes away from even beginning a search for Ryan. So it's now, like, 8.39 p.m., and he had been missing technically since 1.30 a.m. the day before in the freezing cold snow. Um, I actually didn't realize the timeline was that long. I forgot about that. Like, Yeah. For some reason, I thought the turnaround to get out looking for Ryan was faster. No, like, they probably didn't get out there realistically, so the police immediately bring dogs. The Kamloops Rural RCMP contacts Kamloops RCMP for their search dogs, and they go right, they do go right away, but they probably don't get there till like, 11 p.m. Like, by the time they've wrangled everyone... Yeah, but t- by the time they've, like, wrangled everyone. a long time to allocate these resources. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, right. like, planned a grid search. You can't just, like, show up and let your dog loose. Like, they have to actually plan a search. They have to suit up. They have to find something that belongs to him to get the dog scented and prepared. Like, it's not as quick as you would think. That's not to guarantee that the dogs are even going to find a scent. Mm-hmm. Correct. Like, <laughs> So that's exactly what happens here. Um so Ryan, so to go back, Ryan's parents immediately after talking to the police, they just got this like sinking feeling and they immediately got in the car and started the nine hour drive from Beaumont to Good Sundance. job. Some parents just know. Trust your gut. If you need to be there, go there. They drove overnight. Um, while this is happening, police immediately begin their search with the canine unit uh, when they finally arrive to Sun Peaks and get, get all that going. Um they find so they start at the house that he was said to have gone missing from and start kind of like searching those there's like three main paths to get to his house from that house they find absolutely no scent trace of ryan none from the house three not even in the house whoa okay yeah but a ton of witnesses say he was at the party yes and a lot of the people that were deteriorated okay yeah, a lot of people at the house were interviewed and, like, all their stories matched and didn't seem suspicious. Like, they didn't have... You know how sometimes, like, oh, everybody's yeah. story was exactly the same and it's, like, it's... It's mm. too weird. Yeah, it wasn't like that. Like, they really said we interviewed all the roommates, we interviewed everybody who lives at the house, and, like, all their stories are corroborated, basically. And everyone remembers okay. seeing him there. Yeah, and I mean, I think we have to keep reminding ourselves, like, these guys were 20, so yeah. when we think, oh, that's weird, and we're like, but it wouldn't have been weird when we no. were 20. Okay. No. Yeah. Fair. Already. 
Ryan's parents do get to Sun Peaks at about 6 a.m. Sunday morning on the 18th after driving all night. And um, Kamloops Search and Rescue had begun their official search for Ryan like an hour before that. They searched from, I think, 5 a.m. to midnight that day. Okay. Uh, they also arrived to freshly fallen snow. More than eight inches of snow oh had fallen God. since Ryan was last seen, which, you know. It's no footprints. Yeah, so I, I've oh read God. some articles and stuff from search and rescue people that say, like, you can technically still get prints. Like, if there was prints and then fresh snow fell on top. Like I there, still have a divot. There is yeah. still a way to see and get the prints, but they just they haven't found anything. Okay. So, like I said, the search on the Sunday for Ryan, um, it was from 5 a.m. to midnight from Kamloops Search and Rescue and consisted of 22 KSAR members and 74 volunteers who worked wow. all day. They combed the area with snowmobiles, tracking dogs, and drones. Oh, my goodness. When I went, when we were driving back, anywhere that's tons of snow, it's crazy to see how many ski there are. There's almost more than cars. It's really yeah. cool. So that makes sense. They're yeah. incredibly efficient in any type of snow, really, it looks like. Yeah. So, um, just before we continue, the original <laughs> thought, or like, they, they were searching, so the search manager kind of told them early on, like... The chances of finding Ryan at this point alive, alive are pretty slim to none based on the cold temperatures, which were like minus 20 degrees Celsius well, we or minus 4 degrees Fahrenheit that night. And yeah. also because the original thought was that like he fell, like mm-hmm. he stumbled and into something, he fell and hurt himself or he was like really drunk and passed out. Like, he, he fell into snow or terrain and yeah. died of, yeah, something like that. Yeah. So, they're, they're looking for him in that capacity. Um, they found absolutely nothing. What? In their in, initial search, like, nothing at I mean, all. I, to, how did they find absolutely nothing? nothing? To this like day, they found like nothing. A footprint that they're nothing. like, maybe this was the direction. Like, nothing. So much so that the, so Kamloops Search and Rescue, after that search on the Sunday, um, told Ryan's parents that while the RCMP investigation would still be ongoing, the Kamloops Search and Rescue search would be suspended until there was either a change in weather or a new, like, substantial tip pointing in a different direction because they had searched everything. They had exhausted all of their efforts. Like the Amber Alert. Mm Mm-hmm. Like, we can't put out an Amber Alert unless we have a piece of information. We need something. And that's yeah. kind of where they're at. Like, we don't even, we just need a direction. Or yeah. something. Because, again, they search. So, um, you can see kind of like an aerial shot of the house party that he was at and the house that he lived at. And then there's like a road that goes around to it. So, you could go like, Going right out of the party, I believe, would be the way they normally went, which would be like a 10-minute walk back around to the house. Going left, I have it written down here, I'm not reading off of this, but there was like one way which you would, they would never go, but like you could go that way, it would just be longer. Then there's the other way, which would be technically the shortest, but 
it would be very difficult to get through. You could like cut through the forest in the back, but you'd have to like cross a creek and it was covered in deep snow and it would have been quite difficult terrain to get through. I mean, depending on like how drunk you were, if you thought you were invincible, like, oh yeah, I can trick through here. But But I feel like that's something you do to show off. Right, or like if you're in boots at least. Why would he do that? Right. Mm -hmm. Uh, Yeah. Again, more questions than answers, but okay, sorry. Ride with you. I was wrong. So it's the left way is like the regular suburb pathway that like the roommates would have taken to get get there, turning left out of the party to take just the random regular road. Um, That's the route Ryan would have been like familiar with. He would have taken it before. Like I said, the middle would have been like all creek and all forest. You'd be like cutting through the bush basically. Um, and then the third option would be to take a right and go around, but Ryan had never taken that way before and it would like be the long way. So it just doesn't really make sense. But all three of these routes were heavily searched and there was no sign of Ryan, no sign of his belongings. There's no hat. There's no shoe. There's no footprints that he had ever been there. Yeah. I don't think that's. It's almost like he walked out the party after the group and got into a car. Yeah. So there is a theory. I have a theories section at the end where we can oh, discuss I saw theories. that there were many theories when I was Googling There's kind of like three main ones um, yeah. that people that are known to like people in Sun Peaks. There's some other crazy ones that are just like kind of eye rollers, but there are three foot. mains. So we'll get there. No, like he was sold into the sex trade, like he's been sex trafficked. Yeah, I don't think that's likely in this scenario. I don't not think that I don't so. think men are. Uh, that's not what I'm saying. I don't think that this screams that there was any it reason to believe that. It doesn't scream that to me either. Um, not at all. Yeah. So like I said too, it's it's unclear how drunk he was or like how intoxicated he was we do know that he took some ecstasy at some point in the evening but again like i don't know big deal don't know how much of a how much of a kicker that is here if you will um i don't think it's that big of a deal no anything i feel like it's kind of like an upper Like but said, would it like but would it's... it make you feel like uh, invincible enough to just be like oh I'm just gonna cut through no. the creek like I can make it I don't know no. I don't think so I don't think so either yeah so Camelot search and rescue they tell Heather and Scott that they're suspending their search and I guess the RCMP that night also had mentioned something to them about like oh stop by the station on your way out in the morning and we'll talk about next steps and so they just assumed that they would just leave like oh we didn't find him in this day so like they're just gonna go home. Um, and they were pretty shocked that the search for Ryan was just over, but they were like, okay, well, if you're not going to look for him still, we are. Yeah, like, we'll be here. Fuck it. Yeah, so they basically moved to Sun Peaks. They didn't yeah. go home. They just stayed there. Um, they actually had friends. They just transitioned their entire life. They did. They had friends volunteer to come. Now, remember, they have two other kids, too, who are now at home mm-hmm. without parents. I mean, this is tragic on so many levels. But they had friends who actually volunteered to come out from Edmonton. A boss of like 40 people were shuttled out to Sun Peaks to help search for Ryan. And after yeah, they did, sharing like, search events almost. They did. Yeah, after sharing yeah. Ryan's story on social media, strangers from the Camloops area also offered to come help search for him. Um, 
And Heather said at this point she's pretty aware that because of the weather and how long it had been and how cold and snowy it was that they were looking for a body. Um, but she was still yeah. very determined to find her son. Ryan deserved more than to just be like, oh, well, too bad. We can't find him. Oh. So, And her family deserves answers. Sorry, her and her family deserve answers. Yeah. As well. And, and she she mind. did say that, like, it was really difficult because because they didn't really have any help from people who actually know how to search. Like, they did, they conducted, like, hours and hours and hours of searching, which later they were like, well, that was a waste of time because we didn't even do it properly. We didn't know how to set up proper grids. We didn't have proper tools. Like, we had, we had no idea how to, we're not search and rescue people. And so um, they felt like there was... Maybe a bit of a lack of support on the part of some of the professionals. Like, they just kind of, like, took over their base station and went for it and had no idea what they were doing. Um, And kudos to them. I mean, they're doing everything they can to find their child. But. Yeah. It's just, I I feel for them, though. Because, yeah, you think you're doing everything right. And then you come to find out, like. Oh, did you do this? No. Mm-hmm. Did you do this? No. It's like, oh, well, then you didn't even really do the search, right? It's like, well, yeah. if you had helped, like, when we asked. The, the, right. Like, it's just, it's so difficult to listen to because, yeah, it's like, had they helped, this wouldn't have been an issue. Yeah. That's so, exactly yeah. what it kind of comes down to. Yeah. But these yeah. ground searches by Ryan's family and friends and helpful volunteers took place every single day for five months with no sign of Ryan. Holy. Isn't that crazy? Wow. I know. Every day? Every day. And wow, then, I thought you were going to say, like, every weekend for five months or something. No. I didn't think you were going to say every day. Every single day for five months, and then after that, it switched to, like, monthly searches through COVID. They couldn't do as much because they couldn't... Because, like, yeah. eventually they did move home. They have two children that they have to resume their life with. Um, but Heather yeah. said, like... Once a month, she was still going out to Sun Peaks to search. Um, but during COVID, obviously, like, they wanted to respect the travel advisories and the community and well, things like that. Parks so parks were closed. They so were scaled back, yeah. Sun Peaks might not have even been open. Yeah. Uh, on February 26, 2018, Heather offered a $5,000 reward to anyone who could help bring Ryan home. That reward has since been increased by the family to $15,000 and is still wow. available for anyone who provides any information or a tip or anything that leads to helping find Ryan. To date, there have been three formal searches involving the RCMP and Kamloops Search and Rescue. Um, On March 7th to 9th, 2018, the Canadian Search and Disaster Dogs Association also came and searched for Ryan. Like Katie mentioned. The Avalanche Dogs. Yeah, they came and searched as well. Nothing. They're amazing. Like Katie mentioned, billboards have been placed along the road leading up to Sun Peaks. Like, huge signs. Posters of him are tagged all over town. So, this part, you're just going to scream. The resort itself, because the the question then would be, like, did he maybe stumble up to town? Because in April of 2018, a tip was called in, and this person reported that they had possibly seen Ryan by, like, a pizza place near the resort center just before 2 a.m., and this would potentially okay. fit the timeline, and everything in town closed yeah. at 2 a.m., so it was thought, like, maybe Ryan went up there looking for some food, 
Maybe or something he had just happened. gotten food and was like standing outside of it. Like, right. You know, it's, yeah. So the resort center itself did actually have CCTV cameras. Mm-hmm. Not a single one of them was working that weekend. Not one. Literally not one camera. I don't understand how. Why do you even have them? That happens. I know. Maybe they're in, maybe it's their internet provider. Oh, and there's one camera apparently at like the bottom of the hill, but it's live feed only. So there's no access to the footage for that camera. It's just like, what, again, why do you even have it? And also, yeah, if. I just there's just no words live stream only like is somebody sitting at home watching that what's the point and like if they are what are they gonna do I don't know they didn't see a license plate fully what are they gonna do like they can't rewind it they can't go back they're like I think this is what it was it's like well that's reliable yeah so basically there's one road in and out of this town so if he had left uh, and there's working cameras you would have been able to see what direction because there is a chance that he's no longer in Sun Peaks, but we'd have no idea oh, because sure. there's no cameras. So, yeah. So because of this, RCMP asked residents and businesses to look at any video footage that they might have where Ryan could be like spotted in the background. And yeah, due to the temperature at the time of his disappearance, the RCMP also asked residents to check their outbuildings, like sheds, a garage, sheds, even like yeah. a vehicle, like a locked or unlocked vehicle yeah, for any sign of Ryan. into a shed drunk and locked himself in there. And then the RCMP also opened up a tip line for residents to call in with any tips or sightings of where Ryan might gone, um, might have gone, sorry. (laughs) There have been a ton of tips. They have been kept very tight lip and the RCMP say that they have like investigated all of them. But again, like we don't know what they even are really besides this one. It's weird that they're keeping them so quiet. Mm -hmm. So because that's. For any particular reason, but it's just it's odd. Yeah. If they want the salt. Yeah. Hmm. Okay. And like on the flip yeah. side, you could say that they're keeping them that close to the chest because they want to solve it and they want to not give that information out, right? Like you never really know well, what the they're doing. That... Yeah, but they know he's still missing, which is the weird thing. And if someone's missing, they usually put out something they know. Well, the other or interesting they just thing they know nothing. Is like, so missing persons investigation isn't always a criminal investigation, right? Like, it no, doesn't it doesn't always mean it's criminal. So twenty five days into his disappearance, the RCMP told Heather that they also had an ongoing criminal investigation going on with regards to okay, his disappearance. Okay, so they know something. That's what I was thinking. Yeah. I just don't understand otherwise how this in the terrain where it is with no other inkling why it would be changed. Yeah, I think they know something personally. I agree with you. My spidey sense is a tingling. So because of this tip that like he might have been in the resort center getting food, um, I guess at the onset it wasn't like a serious enough tip to re-bring in Kamloops search and rescue I'm pretty sure they did eventually search it but like at the very beginning it wasn't considered like a good enough tip to bring them back so the family 
At this point, they're getting pretty good at searching. They set up grid searches of that area up at the top of the resort. Because at this point, their searches had all been focused to the lower area around the homes and everything. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So they set up searches. Well, they didn't know otherwise, right? Like, they just needed someone to give some inclination of where to start. Yeah. Um, They actually rented, like, excavators and bobcats to try and, to, like, dig up all the snow to try and find him. The snow they were searching through was at times 14 feet high. I'd believe it. Yeah. Still no sign of Ryan. None. Okay. Since he disappeared, hundreds of volunteers, uh, along with local search and rescue teams and the RCMP, have searched the village and all the surrounding forests, trails, and mountains looking for anything, but nothing has turned up. Not a damn thing. Um... On the one-year anniversary of Ryan's disappearance, the RCMP held a press conference and said that they had no evidence or clues whatsoever as to Ryan's whereabouts, and they appealed to the public once again for any information regarding what might have happened to him. Um, So one of the reporters asks, because they basically said, we have no evidence to indicate that Ryan left Sun Peaks. And one of the reporters... One of the reporters asks, do you have any evidence that indicates that he's here? And they said, no. No evidence to indicate that he's here or gone. So tell me what that means. They know nothing. Thank you. Which is even worse than them knowing stuff and keeping it secret. Yeah, because now I wonder what legs do they have to stand on now when people are like, okay, well, why do you have this criminal case? Yeah. That makes me nervous because, like, are they just doing it purely based on length of time that he's been missing? And that's, like, they're just keeping that door open? Because I didn't think it was automatically that that was the case, like what you were saying. I think there had to be an indicator or a reason. And Mm. I don't hear or see a reason. Yeah, I I have a a few opinions, and we'll we'll go into those in a minute. I know nobody... Everyone's like, we don't care. It's contradictory, it feels like. We don't care what you have to say, Olivia, but you're gonna, so you're gonna hear it I care. (laughs) I care. Uh, So like I mentioned over the years, the RCMP have received a ton of tips. Uh, Many of the wild theories include uh, human trafficking, but even Heather Ryan's mom finds it pretty hard to believe that that would be an option. Most of the tips, like I mentioned, have... Remained really tight-lipped, however. So one man named Jim Reed reported that he was staying at a friend's house near where Ryan lived that night. He said he heard an unusual interaction outside in the middle of the night and said he heard one person yelling, get in the car, get in the fucking car. This man says he reported this to the police. Uh, I don't really know if anything ever came of this. Again, like, it's two in the morning in a party resort. Who knows? Yeah, that just sounds like someone sneaking off or trying to be quiet and being like, get in the fucking car, come on, hurry up. Yeah, I'm not sure. Police have also interviewed Ryan's roommates and the people who were at the house party that night. Um, And according to everything I could find and Heather, none of the friends or the partygoers seemed suspicious and they all seemed to have like the same story about when Ryan was last seen. The initial investigation led investigators to think that Ryan had walked into or, like, wandered into the deep snow and got lost in rugged terrain. 
Now, there was a retired investigator named Brian Smith, and he was brought out to search. Um, He was like a friend of a friend. I don't really know. He was a retired detective from Alberta. (laughs) Okay. He says that he agreed with this potential outcome that, that Ryan could have wandered into the deep snow and got lost into the rugged terrain. He agreed with this sure. in, until he could did an in, Right, but then he did an interview with one of Ryan's friends. He didn't reveal which friend, but he said that this friend seemed very nervous and very afraid for himself, and it seemed unusual. And at this point, he says his gut told him that it was a homicide. Ooh. So I okay, don't really so maybe know. Maybe police could have also talked to the friends and believed that there was cause for concern. Let's say because I right. don't think there's re- reasonable doubt at this point because there isn't no. really anything to say that. It's just a gut feeling they're going on. Well, like not only is this a no body, quote unquote, potential crime, it's also like a no footprint. No <laughs> Right, like there's no footprints, there's no trace of him, there's no scent, there's no cell phone Again, activity. Vanished, he literally vanished. vanished. It's insane. Poof. Um, yeah. It's fucking weird. And so terrifying. before we talk theories and we kind of have our little discussion, which will be the end of the episode, uh, I am going to go over the three kind of like main theories that float around mm-hmm. Sun Peaks about what could have happened to Ryan. So sure. the first one, people think that potentially was he picked up uh, in a car and driven off or wandered off into the wilderness never to be seen again. So kind of like you said, it seems like he just like walked out of that house and got into a car with somebody and vanished. Yeah, that's my theory at this point always has been is that he walked out last out of the party in his group. Whether it was he was kidnapped or taken for some reason or something went wrong. I think he got into a car mm-hmm. where he went after that. I don't know. I have yeah. no theories. So the wandered off into the wilderness. Um, it doesn't really fly for it me. It worked for me until nothing was found. And like it's been... Five years now, so like that it doesn't works. work for me. Knowing it, it, what he does in the wilderness, like he's very to go up and go like back mountain snowboarding or anything by yourself. You have to be pretty familiar with how to like dig yourself out and like I just get yourself out of some really scary situations. The theory made sense in the beginning, but now that it's been five years totally. and we've never even found like a sock. It just doesn't make sense to me. Do you know what I mean? Like, so yeah. many people have no. searched all of that terrain. It's obviously melted at like some point. Nothing. Right. Like, it's obviously melted at some point. It hasn't always just been buried under snow. I just feel like yeah. that doesn't make sense to me anymore. Um, no. So, there's that theory. The second theory, uh, was he hit by, a, uh, like, a hit-and-run driver, like a drunk driver, and then the person panicked and dumped the body out of town? Because I guess the road is, like, not... I think not... there would have been some 
people reporting unusual noise or like a car accident that they heard or something if it was that quiet though well and again like this is there's snow everywhere if there was a car accident wouldn't you see tire tracks snow push or like some evidence body like some evidence of like an incident occurring yeah i don't know or someone have done like excessive donuts and you'd be like oh that's weird yeah. Someone would have heard that. Yeah, so the third hmm. option is, like, did either somebody at the party, you know, did he... It doesn't sound like he's the kind of person who had, like, confrontations or got into fights, but no. did he potentially, like, overdose? And the people that he was with, like, panicked or... Panicked. Dumped the body. Mm. Um, apparently, Sun Peaks has... A really good system in place for overdosing though like it's really well known that everybody is like set up and ready to tend to those situations and like people that work at the mountain know that they won't get fired if they call and somebody's overdosing things like that like it's very set up to be like an open policy to like save people's lives that's Um, pretty crazy that they're just like Oh, you were in a room where someone overdosed and you called them in? But do they not have, like, a no drugs policy? They just have, like, a will no. be nice if you overdose policy? Yes. They just wow. want... They okay. know what's going to happen, and they just want people to, like, be safe and know they can reach out. I'm not out. opposed to that. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not opposed to that. Yeah. Just surprised. Huh. So those are the kind of the theories. He wandered off or got into a car. He... Got hit by a drunk driver who panicked and drove him out of town and dumped the body and he overdosed or like something happened at the party. So my issue with that theory. Or aliens. Or aliens. Yeah, that that is a theory too that's Aliens are around, always but... like a nubs nice like sub option D, just in case. Just yeah. if it makes you feel good because it's unexplainable. Sometimes we just need a And, like, the theory that, you know, the friends did something and they know more. I don't um, believe that. I don't either because they're 20 years old and how on earth would a 20-year-old keep their mouth shut for that long? Like. I also just don't think a group of teens would get away with something like this in a resort-style village. Right. A group of drunk teens. I just, I don't believe it unless they're all lying and they were all hanging out somewhere else. Well, my thing is it's such a small town. Like, we're from small towns that are like triple. Someone would have said something. Right. That are like way bigger. And I know for a fact that if something like that happened in my town, that somebody would say something to somebody who would say something to somebody and I would find out. And like it would be word around the town. Everybody would yeah. know. And like not everybody's going to keep their mouth tomorrow. shut for that long. Like somebody's going to have yeah. a conscience. And so that just nope, I agree. doesn't make sense to me. But I don't know what does make sense. I think the theory that someone picked him up right outside the party, because fair, there's footprints out the party, multiple of them in and out. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just think that that's the only one that really makes sense to me. Now, whether that's that maybe he got picked up by somebody else who was someone else he knew in town and then went somewhere and had a, an accidental overdose, maybe, sure, it's possible. Maybe another crime happened somewhere else and we have absolutely no idea. I just don't think the other theories make sense. This case doesn't make sense to me at all in any way. No, this is like a lot of those cases. Like, you know, the case about um, 
Bryce where he just like gets out of his car and like yes. walks into the woods. Oh my gosh. Or like the other guy who like calls his parents and they're trying to like find him. Yes. And he's like, I hear water. And they're like, you shouldn't be near water. Morbid covered that uh, that case, right? Yeah. And then right they did after. The two of them together. Well, right after they ended up finding that guy, his body. Right after Morbid did their episode, the one where they're like, he's calling, where he crashes his car or whatever, and he's like, I can hear water, and they're like, you shouldn't be able to hear water. They found that guy's body like two days after Morbid released their episode. Oh my god. Okay, so I have been taking kind of like a a social media phone break, so I have literally not been staying up to date on stuff like that. Um, yeah, it was because I feel like I've had so much of my own shit going on. It was crazy. But I how... definitely need to look up that because I've followed that case. Um, there's two of them. Yeah. The one about Bryce, yes. Um, I don't remember what his last name is, but that is a crazy, Helpening? crazy case. Help, helping. Yeah. I don't know. I'd have to look that up too. But I just, yeah, I think like him. A lot of people had these crazy theories and just none of them made any sense. Bryce Laspisa? Is that who you're talking about? That's it. Yeah. Yes. I know that one's really crazy. That one's a California case. Um, but so just to get back to Ryan, we'll finish this up. And then if we chat, we chat. In honor of Ryan's 25th birthday, which was on March 17th, 2022, a forensic sketch artist from Ontario named Diana Trepkoff has drawn an age progression photo of Ryan showing what he might look like now. Because at 25, of course, he'd have like more prominent jaw structure, bone structure. His Adam's apple would be showing more. He'd just like be a bit more of a man, you know? (laughs) Okay, yeah. Diana is a forensic artist who has drawn more than 239 law enforcement cold case images, and she also hosts her own podcast called Can I Help Find Your Missing Loved One? Um, so anyone with information is, uh, about the disappearance of Ryan Stuka is urged to contact Kamloops RCMP at 1250 or you can also call Crime Stoppers at 1-800-222-8477. And that is the disappearance of Ryan Stuka. Uh, this one really just needs... Somebody knows something. And actually, like, one of the yeah. investigators said that. I think it was at, like, the one-year press conference. Like, somebody always knows something. Yeah. That's the kicker. There's always someone out there that has that missing piece. And it's like right there. Yeah. This one is actually as mysterious to me as Tamil Horsford. And I oh know that. God, I, lo- I love that case in the most like horrifying You know way. what we mean, people. We're just fascinated by it. It drives me nuts. And that one, of course, there's a body and it's a bit different. Um, she didn't just mysteriously disappear, but she did mysteriously just fall off a balcony shouldn't mysteriously fall off anything yeah anyway um so that that one it just like it, i don't know it gives me the same vibes where i'm like somebody knows something mm-hmm. like people don't just vanish people don't just like stand on top of balconies and jump off them unless no. they're suicidal but she wasn't so don't come at me with that one um, also i'm just yeah. quickly looking this up because now i don't know if the Bryce LaPisa episode is the right one. Okay, so I was thinking of Bryce LaPisa and Brian Schaefer. Brian Schaefer is the other one that I was thinking of. And it, I don't see that Bryce LaPisa was found. No, it's not Bryce LaPisa that was found. I thought it was Brian Schaefer. 
Oh, sorry. I didn't know you had his name. No, I just said the other guy, but whoever the, whatever the case was that they, that Morbid covered where. They covered both of them. The guy was like on the phone with his family. He was getting really frustrated that they couldn't find him. And then they were talking about how like maybe he was in these like farmer's fields and then the farmers wouldn't let them search their fields. That's Bryce LaPisa. Yeah, you're right. That was Bryce LaPisa's case. No, that's because, not yeah, Bryce. I think it is. No, because Bryce is the one where he, like, he was, you like... Mean, okay, so Brian... Sha- or, sorry, Schaefer's in Ohio. So maybe that is the one you're talking about. I think it is. Fields. I think it yeah, is. Yeah, one of them is that they, like, pull over their car and leave it, and then they call their parents to come get them, and they're, like, giving them instructions, and they keep saying they're heading towards this town, but that town's in the opposite direction, so it doesn't really make sense. So they're trying to, like, explain what he's seeing around him. And then the other one is just a young guy who was sitting in his car at, like, a pull-off stop, and it's, like, um... His mom ended up getting in touch with, like, this tow truck driver that was, like, driving up and down the highway and ended up checking on him a few times. And all of a sudden, he went back to check on him and his car was there and he was gone. And they've never found him again. Okay. Those are the two I'm thinking of. So, the first one that you're thinking of is Brandon Swanson. Oh, God. There's so many. Brandon Swanson. man. That was from Minnesota. Uh, Morbid did a two-parter. Um, and okay. he was found, like... Right after their episodes, he was found okay. deceased. I don't know the Brian Schaefer one as well. And then the one I believe that you're talking about is Bryce. Bryce Laspisa. Yeah. So Bryce was like at university um, yeah. a couple days into his sophomore year and... His friends started to, like, notice he had really weird behavior. So he's, like, giving away all his stuff. Yeah, he gave away all his like stuff. That. So that's the guy who pulls over his car and yes. then gets out of it and then is just never seen again. And his mom's calling him while he's in his car. And he's like, no, I'm fine. I'm just really tired. I just need to pull off for a bit. But, yeah, his friends said it was weird that he was, like, getting rid of all of his stuff and giving away, like, possessions and pawning mm-hmm. stuff. And then, so yeah, all of a sudden Bryce. he just, like, disappears. But... They have a lot of theories that he just, like, up and left and started a different life somewhere, which yeah. could be possible. That didn't happen in this case. Ryan did not get up to start a different life. He did not. Something happened here. Um, and I think less and less that it was yeah. an accident. Oh, I agree. And I wouldn't be surprised if this could be one of those crazy one-offs where the, the person who took him or hurt him has nothing to do with him. Mm-hmm. It was totally a product of he walked out of this party drunk and another group of people saw an easy opportunity to rob someone and maybe he fought back or like I don't know but I just think there's a really logical answer to this case yeah well illogical but you know what I mean I hope he's found one day I hope that his family doesn't have to live forever just like wondering you know what I mean I can't imagine just having no idea where your loved one is even if you know they're not coming home the way you remember yeah, them. And you know like, with the conditions that they're not coming back alive even. It's just insane. Like, where could he have gone? Anyway, I don't think I'm going to be the one to answer that question because, you know, I'm just a little old me over here in my house. But, yeah, that was Ryan Unless Stuka. we become, like, avalanche search dogs, I don't think we're helping. Yeah. Share with your friends. 
Let's bring Ryan home. Yeah, let's get the word out because you never know. Weirder things have happened. Maybe he bumped his head, forgot everything, and he's living in a small town somewhere in BC. <laughs> let's hope. I'll call you soon. Okay. <gasps> okay. Bye. Bye. How do I stop this shit? I'll stop it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Fuck me.